0: Welcome in to Downtown the Podcast, round number edition. It's the 50th episode of Downtown the Podcast. My math is not great, Kerry Haskell, but that tells me it's been almost a year since we started this. Yeah, that would put us, what, (laughs) uh, two, two shy of a year. Wow, it's crazy. I am Rich Kimball, that's Kerry Haskell. We're brought to you every week by our friends at Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Oh, and this week, also thrilled to welcome... A new sponsor to the podcast, the folks from Pineland Farms Dairy. Been a fan of their cheese for a long, long time. And we thought, since they're making wonderful cheese right here in the state of Maine, they'd be a terrific addition to the program. Fortunately, they agreed, and so we're happy to have them aboard. They've been making cheese since 2005, right here in the state of Maine. Finest cheese around, whether it's cheddar, Monterey Jack, Pepper Jack, Baby Swiss, feta our personal favorite around these parts the cheese curds the cheese curds i (laughs) i have to be careful because my daughter will eat all of mine like in a night yeah no better snack around and all of it of course made with all natural milk from maine you can find pineland farms cheese at hannaford supermarkets shaw's whole foods or other great shops throughout maine and new england maine cows maine milk maine cheese pineland farms so happy to have them part of the downtown the podcast team a couple of great conversations for you this week. A little later on, a guy who's been making music for more than 50 years, an Australian legend who crossed the big pond and uh, made it big in America in the 70s and 80s as the frontman of the Little River Band who had a bunch of hits, something like 20 top 20 hits through the years, uh, several that made the top 10 as well. Glenn Shorick is his name, wrote and sang lead on most of their biggest hits. And he joined us recently from Sydney, Australia. That conversation coming up a little later on. But we begin things with one of our favorite guests on the show, actor John O'Hurley. Of course, you know him as Jay Peterman from Seinfeld. But he's also uh, becoming a holiday favorite as well. uh, For many years, broadcasting the National Dog Show on Thanksgiving Day. And in recent years, adding to that, the Easter Sunday broadcast of the Beverly Hills Dog Show. We had a chance to talk about that Easter Sunday broadcast just a few days ago with our friend John O'Hurley. Good to talk to you. Wonderful to talk to you as well. I mean, there are people, my five-year-old, very much looking forward to the Easter Bunny, but for a lot of us, we're much more excited to see you and David Fry and the crew back again for what's become another wonderful holiday tradition.
1: Well, uh, we're trying to uh, take some of the success that we've had on Thanksgiving with the National Dog Show presented by Purina, with uh, the audience now this year of over 32 million, and we're hoping some of that will uh, drip over onto uh, another family day, which of course is Easter Sunday, and uh, we hope that uh, come one o'clock Eastern time that America will glue itself to to their sofas and watch their favorite thing, which is their dogs.
0: There's no question about that, and Why do you think it is that these dog show broadcasts have become so very popular, even among people who don't own and love dogs?
1: Well, I think people are looking for a break break on television, Rich. I honestly do. I think there's such a, you know, kind of a a, a nervous, uh, kind of a a bad nerve running through the country right now. People are just looking for some place where they can just sit back and go, ah. And the dog show is very much like that. There's something for everybody, whether you're 4 or you're 94. It gives something that everybody can have, um, you know, a stake in, if you will. And, of course, you hopefully will be rooting for your alma mater factor there on the, on the sofa with you, your family dog. But we'll have 2,000 of the top dogs in the country and uh, 180 different breeds all vying for best in show.
0: Now, last year, if I recall, it was the Wire Fox Terrier that won the whole thing.
1: Who uh, went on to win Westminster, and uh, it was uh, yeah, quite a that was a quite a year. And that dog is now retired. Now I can't tell you what retirement means to a dog because I'm not sure they know. I'm not sure they know what they do. But um, uh, you know, spoiler alert here. I don't think the dogs care if they win. But that that not that uh, that said, um, it's just a wonderful. Uh, we've had some wonderful dogs. We have half a dozen of the top dogs in the country competing here on the Beverly uh, Beverly Hills show on uh, Easter Sunday. So it's going to be a really wonderful competition.
0: Now, you're so busy, of course, uh, doing the show. Do you get an opportunity to meet any of the dogs or their trainers and handlers?
1: Well, I do. It's, you know, it's a wonderful day uh, because, you know, these shows are so large and, and you'll have two thousand dogs being judged during the day, both in the breed, the group, and of course the best in show competition. That they're all backstage in other arenas, and you get to walk up and down the aisles there, and uh, and see all the owners and the handlers and the dogs themselves getting and preened for their moment in the, in the uh, under the lights.
0: What's also wonderful is uh, the Beverly Hills Dog Show, uh, unique in its own right. There is a Beverly Hills flair to this show that's a little different from the one that you do in philadelphia
1: it sure is this is uh something that uh david fry and i kind of composed ourselves and it's uh we just call it a dog show done differently and we take some of the you know the glitz and the um the wonderful uh you know a, a glitter of uh, of hollywood and we combine that with uh uh the elements of a great dog show but uh, we try to give it that little bit of extra, that dog show done differently. We uh, redesigned the Best in Show arena at the end of the show to resemble more of a red carpet version of the uh, Victoria's Secret runway. It looks a little bit like a, a catwalk for dogs.
0: And did I see that there will also be some celebrity dogs showing up?
1: Yes, we have uh, oh a whole bunch show up during the day. And oddly enough, many of them bring their dogs just, just to be uh, just to sit there in the stands and root, um, and that's kind of fun. Yeah, we had some uh, wonderful uh, um, people. The beautiful uh, uh, Bo Derek is there, and uh, Ashley Tisdale is there. Uh, uh, it's it's a wonderful group, and uh, we have a great time, um, and uh, we have you know great backstage stories as always. But uh, mostly, it's just we take we don't take ourselves as seriously in this show.
0: We're looking forward to it To coming up on Easter Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, the Beverly Hills Dog Show presented by Purina on NBC. Uh, you've been keeping very busy. Uh, I see you're also doing some work uh, with the folks from Big Blue Bug. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh,
1: uh, uh, you know, I love to do funny commercials. And they came to me last year with uh, this idea, and I and I said, yes. I said, but I don't want to be a spokesman for you. I want to be an anti-spokesman. So um I do these very funny series of ads for this company and uh, last year it was about the fact that I didn't want to do a bug commercial <laughs> and um and uh, and it was the fact that I'm an actor I don't do bug commercials when you you know when you have an infestation in your house what do you do pick up a phone and call an actor <laughs> no you don't so um anyway the, the ads were such a smash hit for them that we did another one uh Recently, and uh, I do my first home inspection, but I'm speaking nothing but battle cries from Shakespeare.
0: <laughs> I love it. That and sounds it, wonderful.
1: And this, and, this, and this poor woman in yoga pants greets me at the door. <laughs> so they're very, they're very funny, and uh, it's just you know kind of regional type of. But I, I love that style of humor. So where other actors would say, "Oh no, absolutely, I can't do that," I go, "Oh come on, I have more fun doing those." and and uh, and to me, it's just another extension of the world of entertainment.
0: John O'Hurley with us here on Downtown. Uh, you're a big golfer and a golf fan as well. Uh, did you get to see any of that wonderful finish to the Masters?
1: Did I get to see it? I don't think I got to see anything else. <laughs> I was glued to that show for, I was glued to that four days. I wouldn't leave. it was, uh, I was in my heyday last Sunday. I had the Masters at, uh, well, 6.30 in the morning in L.A., but then the Red Sox started and the Celtics started, so I put them all on tape, and I got to spend the whole day with my, uh, my Boston sports allegiances plus the Masters. It was a great day, uh, and um, all turned out victorious. Yeah, I think um, yeah, Tigers, uh, Tiger's victory underscored, I think, what is wonderful about sports and America is that everything is ultimately redemptive, that no matter how bad it gets in your life, you can always come back.
0: Speaking of baseball, John, uh, will you and your son be out uh, doing any more baseball games, throwing out first pitches this summer?
1: Uh, we have quite a few uh, to, uh, to tour. Yeah, we do uh, oh, half a dozen uh, minor league parks. Uh, I don't think we're going to be, um, I haven't been asked yet by, by the Portland uh, team, uh, hint, hint. <laughs> uh, but I uh, um, would, uh, we were going around a bunch of parks because, you know, we do our tandem. Uh, our tandem singing together plus throwing and catching the first pitch and it's kind of fun for the two of us to do that together
0: uh, you had a great run in our downtown madness competition this year but fell just short uh despite a huge turnout jeff daniels knocked you off and i know oh. I, 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 yeah. what can you do uh you can't win every year but it was another tremendous run
1: well i'll tell you i don't mind losing to somebody uh Jeff's nature there he's an awful nice guy what an interesting actor he is. Huh? I I enjoy him very much. You know, we both did a play called 5th uh, of July back in I want to say 1982 or 3 in New York. And actually I uh replaced his character and uh, uh it was uh and that's the first time I got wind of him uh as an actor, but um what he's uh he has become kind of a tour de force and oddly enough, he's going to be up against Brian Cranston for the very prestigious Tony this year. For Best Actor in a Drama, and I have no idea who's going to win. Obviously, I lean towards Brian because I think his role on Network is uh, is such a tour de force that um, I, it's it's tough to tough to believe that he can do that every night. However, people have seen um, uh, to, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird and said it's just uh, an extraordinary production.
0: Well, he also he beat Brian before he beat you, so you did go deeper into the competition than Brian. So I know there's a little <laughs> pride there.
1: That, well, you know what? Again, that's because of my bug commercial.
0: <laughs> that might have been the difference you know, maker right there.
1: People, you know, it's it, it, it's very embraceable, easy humor to understand, and people. <laughs> uh, I think I'm rewarded because of that.
0: <laughs> now, uh, John, will you? I know you do this on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, will you be live tweeting on Sunday?
1: Uh, yes, actually, and you know what I love is that people send us videos. So I'll, I'll throw this out there. Send us videos of your dog watching the Beverly Hills Dog Show. That's the, the ones that we enjoy the most. They are so much fun because the dogs really get into it. And there's my favorite one of all time. Is where the dog is watching the TV screen, is barking, runs up to the screen, kind of throws his paws up there to look at the dog, hops down, and then goes behind the television set to look for where the dog really is. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, my, my, think,
1: think about that. Think about the calories that that dog burned, and the neurons that are necessary to have that type of intellectual exercise in a dog.
0: My ginger will watch. I, I, I hate to say it. She, as uh, a rescue dog, she knows she could never compete, and it's it's made her a bit judgmental.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. so it is. You kind of just say that's enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she uh, she doesn't want to yeah. turn the channel. She wants to check them out. But she have negative comments, a, a wag of the tail, a, oh, a dismissive I, yeah. turn away. Feel, that's yeah. that's how she is.
1: Yeah, 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 that fur is a little puffy in the back. <laughs> exactly. But-
0: Well, we will be there to watch, like most of America, this Easter Sunday, the Beverly Hills Dog Show presented by Purina, 1 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. John, always wonderful to talk with you. A very happy Easter to you and your family as well, and we'll catch you again soon. Oh,
1: thank you. God bless you, Rich, and remember, it's a dog show done differently. That's
0: John O'Hurley here on Downtown the Podcast. When we return, guys have been making music for more than 50 years. The voice of the Little River Band, Glenn Shorick, next. After this word from Cross Insurance
1: where security meets strength.
0: Hey, we welcome, as we mentioned earlier, a brand new sponsor to the podcast, our friends at Pineland Farms Dairy. Since 2005, they've been making the finest cheese in Maine. Cheddar, Monterey Jack, Pepper Jack, Baby Swiss, feta, and cheese curds are made with all natural milk from right here in Maine. You can find Pineland Farms Cheese at Hannaford Supermarkets, Shaw's, Whole Foods, and other great shops through Maine and New England. You can visit them online as well at PinelandFarmsDairy.com. Maine cows, Maine milk, Maine cheese. Pineland Farms.
2: Friday night, it was late. I was walking you to the gate. I was dreaming of the night. Would it turn out right? i to tell you, girl. I want to build my world around you. I'm going to tell you that it's true.
0: And, of course, the unmistakable voice of Glenn Shorick, lead singer I wanna make and one of the principal writers of the many hits the Little River Band had in the late 70s and early 1980s. Uh, Glenn, uh, these days, spending his time in Australia We had a chance to talk with him about uh, those Little River Band hits, his wonderful new album as well, appropriately titled, Glenn Shorick Sings Little River Band, Uh, the legal troubles he's had, and the inability to use that name as the name of any group he's been a part of in recent years, but also uh, looked back at some of his uh, early groups and musical influence as well. think you'll enjoy this conversation with the very talented Glenn Shorick.
2: Rich Kimball yes how are you doing
0: i am wonderful now it's it's evening for us but morning for you right
2: that's right it's a big wide world
0: (laughs) yes it is indeed (laughs) well thank you so much for uh, spending a little time with us here
2: no my pleasure my Uh, pleasure Uh, whereabouts are you uh we're in maine ah lovely yes is it, is it warm? Cold? Uh,
0: we're we're in the transition period. It was uh, we were in the coming into spring. Yes, we were we we're near seventy over the weekend, so we're we're getting there. I, I absolutely love the new album. By the way, uh, Glenn Shorick sings Little River Band the hits live in studio. And okay. uh, not that these songs don't sound uh, in their original version incredibly fresh today, but a really great new take. I, I love the way the songs sound, and, and you make them mm. feel very new again.
2: Yes, I'm I'm very uh, pleased with the result as well. I was a bit uh oh, you know, what what how come I'm doing these old songs again? <laughs> because I do them, you know, every, every time I perform these these songs uh you know, I I've done them now for what 40 years nearly. But that but that was the point. Uh a guy I've been working with Steve Balby, you know, he said why don't you revisit some of the old uh classics that you've done, and uh, we'll get into a studio with a, a different bunch of guys and uh, see what happens. And, you know, we put our heads together. We spent two days in the studio down here in Sydney, and, yeah, as I say, they they sound great. They sound really good. In fact, um, uh, my Little River Band's ex-manager, Glenn Wheatley, is still a, a good pal of mine. He said they're better than the original. <laughs> So, you know, we'll just see. I mean, some people are going to say, oh, what, what do I need to hear those again? You know, I've got the original versions, but I, I think, as you said, you'll get a bit of a surprise when you hear them. Oh, they're I... not much different, are they? I mean, they're still the great songs, but they just, they sound better, I think.
0: Well, and I love the the very jazzy take on reminiscing Sinatra. Would have been proud of that Thank one. Thank you.
2: Yeah, he would have, and he would have recorded it had he survived. <laughs> uh he, yeah he, he was gonna do it but obviously he didn't but uh katie lang did it yeah that's she, right she put it down
0: and lonesome uh, loser it's such a such a i dare i say a funky take on that song
2: there you go that's exactly right we, we said let's let's funk it up a little bit and so we said um how about that that groove from um heard it through the grapevine so the band started playing that you know when We just took off on it. That was good.
0: And your voice is sounding absolutely incredible. Uh, Do you do anything special to take care of it? Because you sound not just as good, but better than ever.
2: Well, I'm glad you said that, because that's what I feel as well. I mean, I've been singing all my life. It's been uh, for 60, nearly 60 years, 50 odd years anyway, that I've been making my living out of uh, my voice and it's hanging in there. Um, I'm blessed, you know. I'm I'm just a lucky man that I've got a strong throat and, uh, you know, lots of sleep and uh, not too much damage, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> uh, the, the battles, the legal battles uh, over the name Little River Band are, are very well documented, ah. but hey, those are still your songs. You're out there singing, yeah. and they sound great. But, but has that kept you, um, especially from touring here in the States?
2: How has it kept me
0: away? Yeah. yeah,
2: yes, yes, it has, and that's very frustrating. Uh, every time a promoter, you know, uh, wants me to come over and do some shows, the powers that be behind the current Little River Band uh, threaten those promoters with injunctions, and and so, so they just drop me. You know, the promoters say, "Oh, we don't want to get involved in that." So yeah, I've been thwarted as they say. But um well hopefully this uh this album will make people realise, you know, what you know, what, what my voice is you know, my, my voice is the original sound of the band and uh maybe maybe it'll work out for the better. I'd i dearly love to get back there and and sing, but we've just gotta kind of, Got to wait to see these these hardened attitudes soften a little bit.
0: We're talking with Glenn Shorrock here on downtown. I, I know you talk uh, in your book and you've talked in interviews about looking forward, but but if we can, I'd love to go back with you and, and revisit the start of your love of music. Your family had moved uh, yeah. to Adelaide, and was it uh, was it Heartbreak Hotel that lit that yep. spark of inspiration for you?
2: Oh, it certainly was. I was lying on a bed in a a migrant hostel. We'd uh, arrived, or probably only weeks before, and there was a hot day, very hot day. I remember, and and I heard this radio down the hallway, and I ran down and said, "What's that? What's that sound? What's that sound?" And um, a very, a very cultured radio announcer said, "That was a new singer called Elvis Presley," (laughs) and uh, he sighed. I said, now it's back to uh, so and so, so and so, and his orchestra. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was captivated by just the sound of that record. And now it, it doesn't sound pretty, very radical anymore. But back then, it certainly was to a twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old boy. With um, his ears were pricked, you know, when I when I heard that. And I sought what was this newfangled music, rock and roll. They even had a name for us. Where they started to call us teenagers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you, you formed your own band and people in the states may not be aware that uh, well you were part of two incredibly successful bands before little river Band, starting with the Twilights. So you had tremendous success home in australia
2: yeah we did you know we had number one hits and um we toured extensively the the country we we uh we went to england uh to try and further our international career uh because Half the band was were English migrants anyway, and it was easier to get into England. We didn't even think about coming to America in those days. That was that was Nirvana, you know. That was unreachable to.
0: Uh, but to you us young, you did young get kid. a very special recording date though at uh, Abbey Road Studios, yeah. and happened to be there in early nineteen sixty seven on a very uh, fortuitous night.
2: It was. It was the first or second night that they were beginning the Sgt. Pepper's session. Uh, which you know went through the the year of 1967, and um, we were in Studio One, and the Beatles were in Studio Two doing Penny Lane. Well, what there was a song I didn't know it was called Penny Lane, <laughs> but I, I I could hear it through the control room door, and it was a, a very exciting uh, time for us, you know, because we were Beatle mad. We were all the whole world was Beatle mad, wasn't it at that time?
0: Well, yeah, and. and, um, and when when you yeah. look back on the twilights i have to think uh, of course everybody here thinks of the little river band but being that first band when you were there with young guys and every dream in the yeah. world still seemed possible is that a band yeah. that you look on with perhaps even more affection
2: yeah yes it is i i still have a great bond with those guys you know we go back a long way we were we were friends to begin with and then we became um musicians and we learned our trade by emulating our heroes, and to begin with, you know it was American music, obviously. And I mean, you you guys invented it, and um, because the uh, the Beatles took over in the '60s, and and we became um, a, a '60s style recording band with our hair combed forward and wearing black skivvies like everybody else. Did. <laughs> and uh we had six years together um the six members and we as i say still still have a great bond um one of, one of our members uh Terry Britton our uh, guitar player uh has won a couple of grammys since the you know, since the demise of the Twilights. he he moved to london and wrote um for cliff richard and tina turner he wrote uh, what's love got to do with it and oh wow we don't need another hero for for tina um, yeah, so he's another, another one of my um, old colleagues, that I'm very proud of. We still we still hang together when he comes down to Oz for for a break every now and again. Um, yeah, I've I've made some great uh, contacts and keep some strong fellowships going.
0: You had great success uh, in Axiom as well, and then as a solo artist. We had B.J. Thomas on our show not too long ago, and you did a wonderful yeah. version of a song that was a big hit for him, the uh, berryman Man Cynthia Wilde tune, "Rock and Roll Lullaby."
2: I did. That's yeah. right. When I was when I was in England trying to make my make my way as a solo artist, uh, that this was in between Axiom, who had broken up, uh, and uh, the formation of uh, LRB. Uh, Yeah, I was trying my hand at all sorts of different things and and doing a lot of songwriting as well. Uh, Those songs became part of the uh, early repertoire of of LRB. But yeah, that was a nice song, Rock and Roll Alibi." It didn't do anything. But you know i'm I'm pretty pleased with it,
0: well, little river band certainly did tremendous success all around the globe. Uh, what do you think it was that made that international success possible? obviously great music but but what beyond that yeah
2: yeah uh you know this the sound of the harmonies that that struck a chord it was in the same vein, maybe you know the same we had a a natural blend we we could have been brothers um. That's what drew me to uh, deciding to work with the guys because basically the band was formed around three songwriters myself, Graham Goble, and B. Bertels. And um, yeah, you know, we had a BG's blend, we had a, an Eagles blend, uh, Hollies, you know, they were a big influence, Beatles, of course, and anything to do with harmony, we, we loved
0: and uh, and you guys uh, you you might have set some international records too for showing off some chest hair back in the days
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's not much hair left on me these days <laughs>
0: Uh, One of the songs that was a huge success for you here and still is a favorite from folks is Cool Change, which Uh uh, sort of uh, was predicting the future for you in in many ways. Were you consciously thinking about going out on your own when you wrote that song?
2: Uh, Not professionally. That was just my um, uh, philosophy, you know, and still is my philosophy, really. You know, um, I've used meditation, a large large part of my life, uh, you know, to, to uh get inside myself and um calm things down as it were and um and you know things in the band were um getting a little strained at that time as well. Um and then two years later of course um we parted company in nineteen eighty two I think it was and I went off and did a few other things uh some theatre work and some radio and some T V down here in Oz and um and then they asked me back in again. Yeah, it's been a long roller coaster and uh I, I love working with people, don't get me wrong, but um you know, there's there's time for reflection and uh cool change reflects that.
0: Well, you've been making music uh, professionally for more than 50 years now. Uh, I saw in an interview that you said you're, you're very proud of the fact that you've never had a, a proper job.
2: Yeah. yeah, which my dad told me to get, you know. You've got to have something to fall back on, Glenn. I said, well, no, I don't. Not if I've got a, something that I love and I can do and I can make a living out of it. I'll be happy. That's what I said when I was 18. And I said I'd like to be doing it when I'm 50 and I'd like to have the respect of my peers. Well, I've passed 50, long gone. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've won quite a few gongs or medals or whatever you call them, you know, awards over the years. And, uh, you know, I'm one of the um, one of the elder statesmen of Australian music, I guess you'd call me.
0: Well, I don't think you need a plan B at this point, that's for sure.
2: No, no, I'm enjoying myself. I'm working with some... Great people again. Um, you know, I'm not in a band as such anymore. Um, but I but I certainly rely on on the body of work that I had with my bands. Um and that still stands me in good stead. People love the music and I still love doing it. And we try different things and you know, like the 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 this album, you know, that go figure. Glenn Shorick sings Little River Band. Go figure that. Wasn't he in Little River Band? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's one of the reasons I did it. You know, It was just to take, put my head up above the battlements and say, hey, I'm still here and uh, uh, this is my legacy. Check it out.
0: Still here and better than ever. The album is wonderful. Glenn Shorick sings Little River Band. Glenn, it's been a real treat to have you on with us. Thank you so much for making time. We wish you uh, much success. Continued good health as well.
2: Thank you, Richard. I owe you guys a lot for my career and And for the audiences there that uh, looked after us so much. And uh, who knows? Maybe I will be back in Maine one more day. Thank you, Richard. All the best. Bye.
0: That's Glenn Shorick, I'll say it, of Little River Band. I don't think. Can we get in legal trouble for that, Kerry? No, we're clear. (laughs) We're all set there. But uh, how sad that is that that legal dispute has kept him from touring here in the States. And uh, what a a mess. But you know what? He's the voice. And when you hear those songs, whether it's on the original recordings or on this new album, there's no doubt who it is when you hear him sing those Little River Band songs. Yeah, it's amazing how that type of stuff works out. And it seems sometimes logic doesn't enter into it at all. We had some legal battles uh, because we moved uh, from different stations uh, with the downtown name, but we lost. And so we ended up being saddled with the name. (laughs) Here we are. Our thanks to Glenn Shorick of Little River Band and, of course, John O'Hurley for joining us. The broadcast of the Beverly Hills Dog Show coming up on Easter Sunday on NBC. And Thank you for joining us here on Downtown, the podcast brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength, and by Pineland Farms. Dairy. we'll see you next time on Downtown.